Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are wrapping up a week that was really pretty much a roller coaster when you look at the grain and the livestock complex as well. And it's nice to see us wrapping up the week for the livestock with some green on the screen, especially after some of the struggles they had. But as Sue Martin joins us, she is with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. And I'm not even going to remember that saying, Sue, because it has to do with... uh, one down day, four up days. How did how did you put that when we were talking? Um, it's up Monday, up Tuesday, up every day of the week except one. It's based on soybeans. Yep. Now, I've had a few people try to tell me that works in wheat as well. I can't verify that because I've never paid attention to that. But uh, certainly the um, uh, soybeans have had that. And they've, you know, that's an old saying from the 70s, and that really does uh, tend to uh, uh, work. We've seen it happen many times since this bean market took off last August. So, um, you know, here we were another week again. Yeah, definitely, because, you know, I, I made the comment to you before we started the Fontenelle Final Bell. It was nice to see the beans have some positivity going into the weekend. And and today it was just kind of a mixed back-and-forth type of market up until the close, and you just called it a kind of a chitter-chatter type of day. It was, and yet we still managed to close at, at the highs, you know, at a, a, a strong weekly close. And uh, soy meal, you know, was a little stronger, while bean oil kind of had a day where it caught its breath. So I think meal uh, was adding support to the bean market. But, you know, there is some thought out there that um, the uh, ending carry at 120 million bushels is pipeline supplies. And if that is indeed true, then you aren't going to see in these WASDE reports that number going lower. And it'll either stay the same or it'll inch up. How does it stay the same or inch up? It's because WASDE will play with the numbers a little bit. They may lower the crush some. But then, and there is thought that, you know, geez, back on around the 1st of, of uh April, it was thought that about 5% of the soybeans were still in farmers' hands. Well, we have to believe some of that has declined a little bit or tightened further. But you get into, you know, summer, you know, July, and what happens if all of a sudden we just don't have the beans? Now, on Tuesday, Brazil lowered, or not lowered, but dropped their ban for imports on soybeans, soybean meal, and corn. That was so bullish when that happened. And at first, people just weren't paying attention to it. But that was really bullish because it was saying or implying that the country probably had overextended their hand um, in exports to China. And so, you you know, you'll see uh, Brazil probably importing corn out of Argentina. Argentina's, you know, vice with, number, with the U.S. as number one or number two. Um, I should say with Brazil, but as far as number one, number two, usually Argentina's number two exporter in the world of corn and Brazil next and then Ukraine and then South Africa. But, uh, when we look at what we're seeing and, and interestingly, they dropped the ban, import ban on soy meal. We think the U.S. may be exporting soybean meal to uh, Brazil this summer. And if that be the case and we're not crushing, all of a sudden what's happening? Your stocks are getting tighter and all of a sudden that meal market's going to start to take off and just keep clicking away. And it won't matter. We need to have a really good year 
in production. And I don't know. We may have a decent year or a mediocre year. What's going to happen to the carryouts? They aren't going to improve much. Demand's too good. You know, it has been nice to see um, when I do the cash grains on a daily basis, watching those numbers quickly creep up. You know, first we were at 1509. Now we've got some at 1550. Some of the cash as high as almost 1570. Is that trend going to continue for a while? I think so. Um, I think that the basis is going to be very strong. Uh, We were mentioning that uh, we made the first cash sale for new crop beans, and it's implied for those who do have to sell or market off the combine. And we recommended at 1340 uh, to be marking about uh, 10% of their bean crop anticipated what they have insured. And uh, we're recommending they do it on a hedge to arrive because what that really is, it's more of a futures contract through the elevator. The elevator pays the margin for you, but the basis is not locked up. And I think uh, commercials are going to bid pretty aggressively, I think, for crops coming off the combine because they know after farmers made a mistake and sold too quick this last season, they're going to be a little more um, critical or tight-fisted before they let stuff go. And I think that uh, the commercial, the end users, are going to have to bid, and I think they're going to need to do so off the combine because once that crop gets locked up, it's going to be, I think, tight supplies as we go into spring of next year. And I'm going to, we get start talking about corn. We may have to go into the second half on this, but I've seen numerous posts today uh, from folks, including Mike, that said getting ready to plant some $6 corn. There's some optimism for some tight supplies as well as we look at this year's crop. Well, there is. You know, it's thought that 15% of the corn crop is still in farmers' hands. Once again, ethanol plants had really been bidding aggressively and, um, ended up not really, um, you know, getting a lot bought. And so you're seeing basis levels improve. Remember, it wasn't that many years back that we had basis that in July got to $2 over for corn. And so can we get that high again? Well, I don't know if we quite do that, but I think we could do something pretty impressive. And when I look at uh, here again, um, you know, Brazil dropping the import ban on corn of course they'll get a lot of their corn from from argentina but corn today in brazil is 750 a bushel and so it's even much stronger than us and then we'll be back we're going to talk more about what's happening in this wheat complex and grain in general welcome back to the fun now final bell on the rural radio network i'm susan littlefield continuing this conversation this afternoon with sue martin sue again is with ag and investment out of clarion iowa we left for break talking about the wheat and i kind of want to kind of rewind a little bit to have you talk about uh, why this wheat market has been kind of the the sleeper, the giant kind of sitting in the background. Well, you know, when we look at at wheat, you know, many countries raise wheat, but Russia is the world's largest exporter. And you've had Australia out of the export market the last few years. This year they had crops to export, but it isn't like they've really... Uh, been that competitive and of course they have to fill their own coffers first to build back supplies but what's interesting in the wheat you know corn has gotten high enough that all of a sudden it looks advantageous to be able to use wheat to put into the feed rations once they start that they can't let it go 
And in the meantime, of course, basis levels, not quite in the fashion that you're seeing in corn. So it allows wheat to be kind of competitive. But then you look at uh, Russian wheat, and of course the old crop is the cheapest globally, other than, um, you know, the tax burden that they've got. But um, what's interesting is, is that um, one has to wonder why wheat importers aren't extending their coverage. And I think it's because they think that they're going to have good supplies coming down the road. Now, we've had some cold weather across Europe. And, of course, we know what our weather's been like here as well. And then we've had, what, two, three, probably three years of where we've consistently planted less hard red winter wheat. And then you have the dryness up in the northern plains. So your spring wheat is concerning. And, of course, today, spring wheat, Minneapolis wheat is up 10, 10 and three quarters. And it's thought that, you know, we may not see near the acres. Another thing that's interesting is Canada. You know, Canada is very dry in the Canadian prairies. And I think that um, when we uh, look at um, uh, the um, rapeseed crop and canola, um, it you know, just this week we've seen Ukraine sell um, rapeseed to Canada. And that just seems so unheard of that they're exporting into Canada. But I think it speaks to just how tight supply they really are. I think Cargill, don't hold me to that, but I want to say Cargill is opening a big processing plant in Canada too. And so, you know, I think that, um, you know, as we go down the road, I continue to feel that the demand pull for food is just going to be huge. And we got pent up, um, not only in the U.S. and wherever, but all around the world, demand is pent up. I kind of go back to the roaring 20s of how we came out of that pandemic. And I kind of wonder if we aren't going to see something similar again where we're going into the roaring 20s. But I go also back to the 70s. And there in, you know, in 71 to 72, the market just kind of kept going and kept going and kept going. Granted, we were at a lot lower price levels, but it doesn't matter. It's a pattern. And the market just kind of kept clicking away. And before you knew it, then it hit the explosion of 73. I think we're going to see something very similar to that again. So as we look at that and that kind of that same concept of the food and the demand is what you're seeing from a livestock perspective, is the pressure there? Yes, it is. Um, I think that anyone who had livestock back in the 70s um, would remember, you know, or even into the 90s even, but would remember you know, in the old days, you didn't have that attitude, well, corn's going up, so these deferred contracts of cattle have to go up. No, it didn't happen that way. When, In fact, it seemed like when you had a bull trend going in grains, you had a bear trend in the meats. And, of course, the hog market's got a little different concept going because we have tight supply, tight numbers, and we're going to be tighter still as we get into June and possibly July. Um, driven partially because of what happened with COVID last year and the hog producer going through to where he was euthanizing hogs, um, aborting sows, what have you. And then all of a sudden we go into a situation where we have disease, PERS and um, PED virus. So the numbers are tighter, but the demand is excellent. And our exports are very good. In fact, uh, yesterday we exported a pretty good number over to China. 
So the hog market's got a little different uh, setup of fundamentals, but the cattle market, you know, and I apologize, I haven't seen it yet this afternoon, but the cattle on feed was expected to come out and show a high uh, percentage of placements. Well, so that leaves a little bit of a bearish overtone, but we have to keep in mind a year ago, the packer couldn't kill. He, his plants were running at a snail's pace at best. What's the, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sue? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And y'all have a great day and a great weekend. Thanks so much. Sue Martin's been joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That's a Fontenelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check it out as a podcast, ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. It's a Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network.